Amen. Good morning. Pastor Jonathan, I appreciate you, my friend, and uh, I love you, man. I love you, man. Um, somebody must have heard how emotional I got in the start of the first service, and I appreciate it. I'll just keep one beside me. Um, I'm excited to be here today. I appreciate Pastor Mike and the, the chance to share with you. What I'm going to start out with today is a story. Now, now y'all need to tremble a little bit. Whenever a stuttering guy wants to tell you a story, that's never really, it's a little scary. You know what I'm saying? This could be a long one. It may not be, but it could be. And, um, I want to share a story with you. And the story isn't the essence of, of what we're here for today. It's a, it's a platform to jump off of because I want you to see a picture of God and who he is and in light of who we are and what he's done. So please don't, do not get lost in the story. But understand there is a huge spiritual truth that I do not want you to miss. You may feel warm. Oh, that was so nice. If you, that's all you get today, then you've totally missed it. And I've totally failed in what I'm, I'm supposed to do here today. So um, please join me as we start with, with, with prayer. Dear God, I thank you so much for the chance to be in this place. Lord, I ask for your wisdom uh, in this time as I um, talk about you and, and bring your word, Lord. I ask that you'll use my tongue however you want to today for your honor and glory, Lord. And everything that is said, Lord, may you, whether it makes sense as it comes out of me, may the hearts of everyone who hears understand your love, your grace, and your plan for their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um. Let me t- tell you my end goal for today. My end goal for today is that um, you will be so gripped by God and his grace that you will go and you will give. This is my, I'm, I'm telling you my last line right now. This is what I want you to get, that you will be so gripped by God's love and by God's grace that you will go to share the gospel and that you will give to share the gut, the gut, the gospel because we believe here that if you are gripped by god and he, he you understand of his his vast love for you you will not be able to contain it in what you say and in what you even give but let me tell you a story i've been here for four years now and the first sunday actually before i came on staff i, I came and preached in view of a call and there was a message i preached i'm going to use actually part of that today but as I look back on it now, it's very incomplete. I came here, and um, we were in process at that time to adopt. We were two years in a process to adopt. Uh, we didn't know how long it was going to take, and I began to talk about the story up until that, that point. And today, if you will um, just give me a little grace, I want to tell you that whole story from start to end, because it's such a picture of what God is doing in our lives. I think that we miss out all the time. So let me just start. Back in March of 2007, this is two years before we, 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 we came here to be on staff. Um, my wife and I, in the same week, uh, God began to speak to us about adopting. We weren't talking about it on our own, but he specifically began to speak to each of us about adopting a baby girl from China. I'll try to stay away from that word for the rest of the day. It'll be hard. Um, <clears throat> And let me just share this. My, and we didn't know that I, God was speaking to me 
and um, and I was like not saying a word to her because you know, once you start to talk about it, it, it could come true. You know what I'm saying? So you keep these things quiet, all right? So I was like, no, oh, don't tell her about it. And I think she was thinking the same way. I'm not telling him. Well, it was a Saturday, and she shared this to me after the fact. Um, and she was being feeling pressed by God that we were supposed to adopt. It was pressed. And, and she, like me, was just going, God, we can't afford this. You understand what it costs? You understand what it's going to take in our household? The toll? This is not us. We're, we're not the right pe- people to do this. And um, so she said, God, I just need help. I need a sign. I didn't know any of this was going on. She goes, I just need you to to give me something real that I can grab hold of. Well, the next day in church, we're in the front pew and um, on the right side, and they're doing a baby dedication during the service. And a um, gentleman, older man who who was on staff at the church time, who who we we loved, respected greatly, all of a sudden, he taps me on the shoulder and he passes me a note. Now, I've, been, I've, I've yelled at youth for 18 years about, about notes in church. You know, I can't yell at this nice old guy. You know what I'm saying? He, pa- he passed me a note. I look at it, and I'm like, what in the world? It's just sort of some scratch. And uh, I look back at him, and he points to my wife. And so I take the note, and I hand it to her. And my wife looks at me like, you're doing passing notes in church? And, um, and she gets it, and she looks at it, and she just begins to weep. And so I turn around to this guy like, dude, I'm going to knock you out. What, what, really, I, I don't know what's going on at this point. And, I, and she hands me the, uh, the note, and it says, doesn't your heart long for another child? And so, sucking in, okay. And um, I learned the whole, how she had been praying about when we, got, we were done with church. I said, sweetheart, what in the world is going on? And she goes, well, God's been speaking to me this. And I, and I was like, well, you don't understand. Two nights ago, God specifically told me we were supposed to adopt from China and had a, a story which I won't go into today. And so from that point on, we said, what choice do you have? When God speaks to your heart, you've got one choice, obey or sin. That's the choice. That's where we were sort of at. And so we, we said, okay, God. And we began to pray with our kids. At that point, it's supposed to be a two-year p- process to start to end. We didn't know how we were going to afford it. But the money was there, so we began to do it. And so every day we began to pray with our kids as, as we ate. We'd pray for this one we were supposed to adopt. Well, two years passed, and um, the timeline was being pushed back and back. We came on staff here. Three years passed, and the timeline was being pushed back and back. And um, it got to be around May of 2010. And we were told at that point our two-year process had now stretched to probably seven to ten years and we're like man they go but if you go the special needs route um that could pick up within a year or so so my wife and i had been talking i think for a few months about it so we said okay well we're gonna go that 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 route we know god calls to adopt and i don't think he's wanting us to wait till we're 55 to start you know so we um we we signed the form uh, May 2010, June of 2010, I got an email a month later. We're like, whoa, 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 what? And uh, it was, I was on Atlanta Fest with a bunch of youth on a trip, and it was on my BlackBerry. If you've ever tried to look at <laughs> pictures or emails, well, I want to show you the first photo I ever saw of the girl that we adopted. This is it right here. Um, she was 18 months at the time. The information we had was that she had been abandoned at two days old, left out on a, around a public street. And um, 
in that because she was found, she was hospitalized for two for 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 two for two months, and um, that's why she was a special needs case. They we got the chart that showed that all that she seemed to have have. And all her stats were maybe a little behind, but most of them were. They just have to get into a home before they can pick back up. And um, she had lived, that's a picture of her room that she had lived in for um, a year and a half before we got her at least. And uh, it was a room that was probably 20 by 20 with 16 or 18 cribs in it. They had about three or four folks that worked it, and they seemed to love the kids and care for them. But it was just a, just a institutionary room. So we got the charts. We got some friends to look at it and make sure, can our household take this? And within three days, we had to tell them. And so we said, yeah, we'll do it. Well, the pace picked up from there. Um, so let's just jump to October 2010. We jump on a plane going to China. China. Michelle's mom and dad came to watch our kids here. And we, we flew over there. We got to Beijing. We we're there for now. That's, it's like 20 ugh, ugh, something awful hours to get there. And... Um, we are in Beijing for two two days to get our feet. Now it's twelve hours time difference, and you can't get your feet in two days. But that's what we're supposed to do. The third day, we fly from Beijing to Shanghai, and at that point, we get to a place which is much like a Department of fam- 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 Families place, where we go into a very sterile and. In environment, we go into this room, uh, ten by fifteen room, and there's three or four more fam- families there. And this is where what we call the gotcha day, where you're going to get the girl, you're going to get her for the first time. So we go in this room, and I, you know, I don't even. I remember it was surreal at the time, but I remember as we sat down there, and you got you got to sign some forms saying that we'll take care of her, and the adoption will go forth the next day in front of the courts. And uh, you're just going, oh my goodness, this is really happening. You know, I don't know why I'm a little slow. It just took me that long to, for it to click. <laughs> well, there's three or four more fam, fam, families. And one time they, they, they call out these Chinese names. They chug, 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 and we're like, oh, is that ours? Is that ours? And, and they bring in the kid. They don't bring him to us. So we go, hopefully it's not ours or we're really getting really messed up. Um, <clears throat> so they bring in the kids. And you think that when they bring in these kids and the kids see their parents, mom, dads, that you hear butterflies singing. I don't know butterflies. I don't sing. Birds singing. And, but, and people are like, the kids are coming to the f- families. And it just wasn't like that. The kids were screaming like they were on fire and, and staring at the parents like this. And the parents are going like this. And it was just, Rah! and we're in this little room and everybody's just freaking out. And I'm, then at that point, I'm going, dear Lord, what are we doing? And in that mo- moment, everybody's got their kid but us. And it's loud, screaming, crying, some, some fear, because it's just, it's just scary. And they say, hey, y'all come out into the hallway. Our, our guide said, oh, it's a mess in here. You come in, in the hallway. And so my, my wife, I just remember, goes, going, this is it. And she says, get the camera. Okay, so I got the camera. I'm doing the dad roll. You, y'all understand that? Get the camera. Okay, I'm walking. And I want to show y'all the first glimpse we had of our girl. That was it right there. As she walked up to Michelle, we had not touched her yet, picked her up yet. This was it. She just left that hand, and she was walking down. And if you see that face, and if you see, can I tell you she didn't cry? My wife was worried something was wrong with her. She's like, what's wrong? She's not grieving. She's not. And she, she didn't cry. She came into our arms. Look at the next shot. This is like two minutes past. 
she got into our arms and acted like this is where I'm supposed to be. And we're like, wow. Emotional. Um, the cases are, are, are sometimes different. Sometimes they're hard. But can I see, can I tell you all, my, my kids prayed for three years. Going, when are we going to get this girl? Every day we, we pray. And I, I attribute much of this, of what occurred for us in just that prayer. And as our, our, our beautiful kids that we had, um, and as we sat down and prayed, Lord, take care of our girl. Lord, pr- pr- protect her and guide her. If, if you see, um, we, we were there for 16 more days, and then uh, we flew back home. Can I tell you, that's like scary. You've got an infant or a girl, she was two at the time, that you've only known for f- 14 days. You're supposed to get her on an airplane for 26 hours. I mean, my own kids on a plane, I'm already like, hey, hey, stop, stop. You know, you just you, a little. You got to be sweet. And, oh. Well, we survived the plane trip. We got home. We I look a little rough there, but that's after tw- twenty eight hours. Um, this is the first shot of our 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 home complete. Uh, the the first shot of our kids t- to get it. There's her mom, and dad, and then there, that's us as we got home, and uh, on the couch. And can I can I just say this? And I attribute this to God. She fit right in. This was home. she was home. Our kids didn't didn't struggle. I know sometimes you, they do. In this case, they didn't. We were just amazed at the greatness of God. And no, no situation in your life is complete until you have this. Amen. You know what I'm saying? This uh, <laughs> someone put that on the sign. Then we got home. We didn't know who, but someone pulled that off. So it was official. Wow. We thought we are Yuli Coolies now. Um, and, and let me show, show you this, this last shot just to complete the story. This is us this summer. Um, that was right before Maylee threw Joseph down and stomped on his head. <laughs> she tends to try to beat him up quite a bit. Uh, but she just fit right in. And, and we thank God and we praise God for it. Uh, you, you can take, take that one off. I'll get emotional seeing that. Um, this is a picture of ad- adoption in the 21st century. Century. Um, I want you to see that because we're going to talk more about adoption and what it looked like back then and God, what He does. Because the Word of God in the book of Romans 8 and Ephesians 1 and Galatians 4, God talks about adopting us as sons and and daughters. I'll take some liberty there. He, He adopts us. And I want you to understand what that means. Now, why do people adopt? A question, why, why do we adopt? Um, one is we have compassion. We see a child in need. We, 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 we see it and, we, man, they need help. You know, just about a year ago, I was in the car with my three older kids. And we're, dry, dry, we're just going to, I forget where we're going, the store at the time. And we're on the way home. And so one of my kids says to me, so, Dad, when are we going to adopt again? This is all I'm thinking. Because it's been hard. Can I tell you? I, I, adoption has been fantastic. It's been it's been the best thing ever, and it's been the hardest thing ever. Um, there. I, so as I'm about to wreck the car, thinking what I was like, what? And uh, you, you shut your mouth. You know. And um, <clears throat> they said, "Well, Dad." They said, "Aren't there more kids around the world or that don't have a mom or dad?" 
And I went, oh. And they go, you know, we got room in our house. You know, Kate and May share room. We got room for two, two more boys in our house. At that point, I said, shut your mouth. <laughs> you know, I want my kids, I want them to know that. Boy, I want, I'm, but not now. <laughs> know that when you grow up, don't tell me to do it. Compassion. We have compassion. Why else do we adopt? We, we adopt because some people, we long to have kids. There's some um, wonderful, wonderful couples I've tried and tried, and, and they can't have kids. And your heart saying, man, I just want to be a dad. I want to be a, be a, a father or, or mother. I want to have a son or daughter. And can I tell you that there are millions of kids saying, man, I just want someone to be my dad. And mom, and don't give up. God is so much bigger than the plans that we're in. We adopt because we have a longing to have kids. Can I see a third picture of adoption is that, um, is that, let me put it this way. You know, it's, to me, in some ways, it's an act of worship to God. Now, that wasn't necessarily us, even when we started, but let me share Pastor Mike has taught many times on marriage and what it means. And, 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 and marriage, the marriages that we have here on earth are supposed to be a picture of the covenant relationship between Jesus Christ and his church, the bridegroom and the bride. It's that relationship, his, his everlasting covenant, that no matter what the, the, the church, the bride has done, he will never leave her. That's what our marriage is supposed to be a picture of to a lost and dying world. That's how we, in some ways with our marriages, we share the gospel with the world. But can I tell you this? Adoption is a picture of God's grace and mercy on the believer. And I'm, what I'm going to do is take the rest of the time because I want you to see what that looks like and see what that means. But let me start with this. A little while after we came home with Maylee, one of my kids was trying to convince me that I should give them some candy that I had. I think it was like a Kit, Kit, Kit Kat bar. One of my kids and Maylee both were trying to vie for this one last piece of Kit, 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 Kit Kat. And um, my child says to me, You should let me have it. I'm your biological child. Ooh. Oh, I got a lot more oohs than first. Y'all are like, ooh. They go, ooh, that's not right. Ooh, that's not right. They said, I'm your biological child. And I went, mmm. I said, you are so right. I said, you know what? I said, God stuck us with you, but we God allowed us to choose her. <laughs> so I gave her the Kit Kat. And they learned a the uh, lesson pretty quick. Ah, uh, dad gummit. <clears throat> I want you to learn this truth right here. That adoption begins with God. Okay? It doesn't begin with you. Your spiritual adoption begins with God. There's a book by David Platt. He's the um, pa- pastor of the church of Brook Hills. And well-known guy, he wrote a book that's just come out within the past few months called Follow Me. On page 20 and 29, he tells a story of adopting. They had, uh, adopted a little boy uh, named Caleb from, from Ru- Ru- Russia. And he 
uses the story of ad- ad- adoption to talk about God's love and God's grace and the way that God works. So I want to sort of read part of that story. Um, but I've switched Maley's, out, Maley's name out for, for his son's name so you can understand the context of what I've shared about today. Uh, so are you ready? Are you all okay? Or am I okay? Uh-uh. All right, let's go. The parallels between Maley's story and the gospel story are many, but I want to point out one that is particularly significant. Adoption like this begins with a parent's initiative, not the child's idea. Before Maylee was even born in China, we were planning to adopt her. As a matter of fact, nine months before she was conceived, we were planning to adopt her. Not born, nine months before she was conceived. Before she was an even blip on any chance of blip on anybody's radar besides God's. We were paying money. We were being fingerprinted. We were filling forms. We, were, we drove around the state. We were doing all this stuff to adopt her. 18 months before she was even born, we were working to adopt her. While Maylee was alone at night in the orphanage in China, we were working to adopt her. And one day when Maylee was placed in her arms, she had no idea everything that had been done for us to get to that point. It seems obvious that this two-year-old girl did not invite us to come to Shanghai, China to bring her into our family. She didn't even know to ask for such a thing. No, this orphan became our cherished daughter because of a love that was entirely beyond her imagination and completely outside of her control. She did not pursue us, for she was utterly unable to do so. We pursued her fully. Everything we had, it was all us. Now, I don't say this just to go, oh, look how great we are, because the washes are red. <laughs> but we're not going there today, because my wife said I couldn't. No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> I want you to understand this. Do you understand that before you were even born, God was pursuing you? He was working to adopt you. Ephesians 1, 4 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption, unbeknown to us, as we're lying in the depths of our sin. God was working to adopt you. When we rebelled against him and we were enemies of him, he was working to adopt you. And the, the only way we can become a part of the family of God is through a love entirely beyond our imagination and completely outside of our control. Christianity does not begin with our pursuit of Christ. It begins with his pursuit of us. First John four nineteen, we love because he first loved us. I am humbled and so excited that about to explode on this concept. That he, he, that I know what I am. I know what, you know what you are. You know how far you fall short and where you fail. And you go, man, I'm just not good enough. And even in the midst of knowing who you are, what you would never share with everybody about the condition of you and knowing who you are, God says, I'm pursuing you. I want you. You're mine. Man, that's awesome. And I want you to look a little bit as we look at the scripture here in Galatians 4. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. But hang with me as we look in Galatians 4. 
verses 3 through 7. I just want to sort of break this down. In verses 1 and 2, uh, I'm not going to read the verses, but um, Paul is writing about, I want you to understand this, about a slave and a son. And as young kids in a household, a slave and a son look exactly the same. They are both, as, as, as one-year-old, two-year-old, three, three-year-old, they can't feed themselves, they, they, they can't take care of themselves, they can't get dressed. They are being cared for. That They've got to be fed. They've got to be told when to go to bed. They've got to be taken care of fully. So a, a slave and a son look exactly the same way, up until a certain point, and then their paths divert. Okay, A slave is now going to go and begin to serve and begin to work. While a son is going to continue to grow, and he's going to be, be cher- cherished by the fa- fa- father and in the home. A slave is just going to work. A son is now going to, a lot of times, ply the trade of the, the father or be, be like him. So at one, at one point, they're, they're the same, but then they're going to split. Look here in, in verse 3, because it says, In the same way, also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. In the same way as a son and a slave grow up the same, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody in this room, there's nobody in this room, no matter what condition you're in right now, did you escape that? We all grew up the same way, but there's a point where there's a split. And verse 5 is going to talk about that 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 split where it talks about being redeemed by Christ, where there's a split where some stay and because we're all on path to grow up to be a slave, but there's some that split and some are going to be a slave, but some are going to be sons. And I want you to see this where we've all sinned and everyone is a child of God, right? No, not we we hear on these all the time. You go, Oh, everybody's God's chill, chill, children. And I, can I tell you that that's a false state statement? Everybody's created by God. But in Ephesians, Romans, Galatians, when it talks about being children of God, it's only referring to believers, those that have faith in Jesus Christ by his blood. Only those are children of God. We're all created by God. We are not all children of God. And verse four, the gospel comes right here. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. The gospel story that God sent his son, Jesus, to live a life to overcome sin, to be killed on a cross to have our sins laid upon him by God, the sinless becoming the sinful because God laid his wrath and his sin upon his son on the cross to pay a debt that we could never pay. That's the gospel. God sent forth his son born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law to save us. Man. And then it goes on to say this. Verse 5, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption. Stop there. To re- redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption. First point is adoption begins with God. S- second point is ad- ad- adoption means salvation. It means re- rescue. And let me show you how we get there. Back in the olden days, first, second, century AD, the Greeks and the Romans saw worth and achievement and abilities. 
the human body was the ultimate source of perfection. Importance was based on how beautiful you were or how smart you were or how athletic you were. Boy, that sounds a lot like today, huh? The Greeks and the, the Romans began to put so much worth into the perfection of, of human beings that they began to fail to see the importance of human life. Well, that sounds a lot like today, too. The great philosopher Aristotle said, as to rearing the children born, let there be a law that no deformed child shall be reared. Some people are, are quick to quote him, but you better make sure you read everything. Plato said the offspring of the good are to be reared, but the offspring of inferior parents or deformed offspring are to be secreted away. That means kill them quietly. Take them out to the woods and leave them. Serranus of Ephesus lived from 93 AD to 129 AD. He lived back around the the 2nd century. And he wrote a book for midwives. We still have uh, this book that he wrote. And there's historical fact proven that in this time he wrote this book. And in this book, he wrote a a set of criteria to rate a child at birth. In many ways, it's similar to our APGAR test that nurses do today when a baby's born. They take it out there and make sure the the color's right, all the the size. He cries and pokes right and all that stuff. Um, this was his list. He had six things. He said, the infant should have a strong cry. It should be complete in all its parts. No parts should, should, should be sluggish or weak. Joints should be able to bend or stretch. The infant's size and shape should be appropriate. All parts of the, the body should be sensitive to the touch. Any conditions contrary to, to these indicate the infant is not worth rearing. Now, our APGARD test today helps us determine determine how to best medically treat the child. But this test was to see if you wanted to keep it or not, if it was worth it or not. Now, after the baby was born, okay, the baby's born, the newborn, the custom of the day was the newborn would be placed on the ground. And the patriarch of the home, that is the oldest male, would do one of two things. He would either, one, go and pick up the child. If he picked up the child, that signified this child is part of our home and that he will forever be part of our home. We will always protect it, feed it, clothe it. It is ours. But the patriarch could also not pick up the child and leave it if it was too flawed. And if he left it on the ground, it signified that the infant was too flawed and not worth keeping. At which point, if the infant failed that test, it would be killed. It would be drowned, suffocated, or um, one of the main ways uh, it occurred in Ephesus at the time is that the infant would be taken out of the city to a particular hill. There was a trash heap um, outside of this, the, the city where they would just discard the, the infant out into the wild for the weather or the... the um, be wild to to kill it. I, I don't say this just to be graphic and to shock you, but I want you to uh, understand um, something. <clears throat> now, some people would go up to the hill late at night and they would pick through the discarded ba- babies and they would look for the strongest of the weak 
and they would take them home and they would take them into their home and they would raise it up. And when it got old enough, then that would, that, that infant that became a child would become a servant in the home and it would serve in that home for the rest of his life. It would be a slave or a servant for the rest of his life. And can I tell you, that's a picture, one picture of adoption in the first, second century A.D. Um, that's a lot different, isn't it? Sort of almost shocks us. Have you ever seen a baby defend itself? A baby can't defend itself, can it? A baby can't do anything. I mean, as dads, we're like, uh, well, what do you mean to do with it, right? You know, wait until it can crawl and throw a ball around. Then you're, you, I can do stuff. But at that point, I was just like, uh, yeah, this is great, fun. Why do I want to, you know, moms are like, oh, let me hold the baby. Let me hold the baby. You know, we don't get that, dads, real well. A baby can't defend itself, right? It's helpless. It's um, the perfect picture of help, helplessness. You know, it's just um, incapable. But can I tell you what a picture of how we are spiritually without the pursuit of Christ in our life? We're like a helpless infant with no hope. We're defenseless. We're hopeless. And can I tell you this? Everybody, as we've said, all have sinned. We're all deformed. We're all the deformed, rejected child that's been discarded on a hill. I want you to understand that. That we are, are, are lost without hope. And God in his grace picks us up and accepts us. God in his grace picks us up and accepts us. And to the readers of the time, when they just read the word adopted, they understood. Deformed, dis- di- discarded, helpless, hopeless, God saves me. So adoption is a, pi- a picture. It's a beautiful picture of the salvation of God. But it doesn't just end there. He doesn't just say, I adopted you as, and you were slaves to sin, but now you're slaves of mine. So now you just need to go and do what I tell, tell you to do. There's more than that because it says that in verse 5, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Huge word, blows the minds of those who hears this word. Wait, you adopt me not as a slave, but as a son? What does that mean? A slave, he's there just to do the bidding of the master. That's what a slave does. You, and some, some, some people, many in church, you live like you're a slave, but you don't, you don't realize you're a son or daughter of God. Quit living like a slave. You don't just come to church because I'm going to come to church because that's what I'm su- supposed to do. No, it's, it's a relationship with God because a slave is tolerated, but a son and daughter is invested in. A slave is commanded, but a son is cherished. Do you understand that you are cherished by God? I don't understand how. I don't get it. I know who I am, and it makes no sense for God to even want to cherish any part of me, but he does. We've been adopted not as slaves, but as sons. And it says, and because you are sons, in verse 6, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Adoption doesn't just mean salvation. It means transformation. You know, a father trains up a son. Why? Because he, he, he wants his son, in a lot of ways, to be the best man that he can be. 
to learn to love his wife and to learn to do what is right and to, to follow God and to seek God. That's what a godly dad will do for his son. And do you understand that God, as our father, wants the same thing for us? He doesn't save us say, stay the same way you are. I love you just the way you are. He says, no, this process is more than you being saved. It's about you being transformed to the image of his son. Galatians 2, 2.20, I just can't get away from that verse today. Um, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life, uh, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Adoption means transformation. And I'm thankful for that. You know, my wife and I have four kids. And um, if you threaten any of them, I will come at you with everything I have. Any parent is going to say the same thing. I think my wife may come at you more than me. She's meaner. She looks sweet and and quiet. Uh Uh-uh. She'll take you out. But it does nothing in comparison to the fierceness that God loves us. My love for my kids is nothing compared to how God loves his children. And we're all adopted who believe. Verse 7, it it wraps this up. It says, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. Adoption means salvation. Adoption means transformation. God's, God's trying to work to transform you to be more like him every day. Because we're part of his family. He loves us and raises us and gives us all the blessings a father would give to a son. He gives us a guide, which is the Holy Spirit within our lives, a guide to be more like him. And he gives us security in eternity. You know, John 14, it says that Jesus has gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us. Do you know that you're in the process of being restored to what you were created to be. You're not there. We're not there. One day, when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord and we have been perfected and there's a new heaven because heaven's been restored and there's a new earth because earth has been restored. You understand that you are in the process of being restored and that promise is found in the fact that you are an heir. You're not just a son that says, ah, you're a son, take care of your son with full rights thereunto. Son and daughter with full rights there unto. Just like it was before the fall when God walked in the garden with his people. God, will, we will be there again. My challenge for, for you, my invitation for you today is, is twofold. And as I wrap this up, <clears throat> I want you to be so gripped by God's love and grace that you can't help but to go and to give. I want the idea of adoption and you understanding how he has adopted you, he has saved you, he is transforming you, and he will there be a point where he restores you. That's a promise in his word. I want you to be so, I want us, not just you, I want us to be so moved by that that we go and share the gospel. We go, I mean, I'm not saying Ethiopia, I'm just saying across the street. I'm just staying next door. I'm just saying to the cashier. I'm just saying to the, the friend at school. I'm saying to the person on the bus. 
Uh, I'm saying the person at church in the foyer right here, because sometimes there's someone right here that needs to hear a little bit more about God's love for them. That we go. And simp, 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 Simply Live Month is about giving so the gospel can be shared. All the money that comes in for next week, all that is given away. We want to give it for the gospel. And I hope that you are so gripped by God's love that you can't help but go and to give. You know, we, we share the gospel not because, um, not only because God com, 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 commands us to, not just because uh, we're afraid someone's going to go to hell, but we share the gospel because God deserves the praise of every living being. Every, no matter the, the meanest person you've met, they ought to be praising God. He deserves it. He is that great, and we need to make that known with everything we have. My second cha- challenge in a room uh, this size, uh, some of you may be wrestling with ad- adoption. And if you've come into this room and that's been something maybe you've pr- prayed about, God's begin to speak to you about. Um, my prayer for you is that you will be so gripped by God's grace that you will go and you will give, that you'll either, one of two things, that you will go and adopt, and there's millions that need it, domestically and internationally, that you will go. And let me share this. If you ever want to talk about it, my wife and I are always more than here just to talk because we have struggled, and it's not been easy easy. It's been very hard. But when God calls you to do something, you can either obey or disobey, which is sin. 